and we are live at nine o'clock on a Friday night. So slightly later than usual that we would uh, bring the uh, the live stream. Normally every week these are at half past seven. But uh, if you are joining us uh, for a nine o'clock for, for the late show, for the late late show, uh, then welcome to episode seventy nine of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, my guest tonight is a left leaning voice on TikTok, where he covers a rich array of social issues, and tonight. He joins me to discuss uh, a couple of things that we have in common. Uh, first um, is something that we feel uh, maybe doesn't have enough light shed on it. Fatherhood, um, some of the challenges around that, some of the shifts in your own identity and how you're perceived in the world. Um, and then the other obsession that comes along with fatherhood, which, of course, is drinking. Uh, ladies and gents, my guest tonight, Jules, a.k.a. Bedhead. Woo! Welcome, Jules. How you doing? All good, buddy. How are you? I am not too bad, thank you. It's Friday. My kids are in bed. I've got you. Uh, mm. I've got beer. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the 9pm later show, and there's a related topic to that. It's the fact it's later because of, of later toddlers going to bed. And I, I, for anyone watching, I had to ask very nicely to put, to put back the, the podcast because my two-and-a-half-year-old has been refusing to go to sleep recently um and ironically tonight he went down you know perfectly so um that's just how it is this is fatherhood it's unexpected and it's um it's uh it's different every day so it is yeah, yeah. lots of lots of twists and turns lots of last minute cancellations and uh yeah you've just gotta... the, the last thing i wanted to do was sit on this podcast and have to get up and put the toddler back to bed because he's now in a big boy bed so yeah it's one of those I, I feel you like the first the first uh, first few episodes of this, uh, because my daughter, who's now 18 months old, uh, was such a handful at the time. And my girlfriend was looking after our son. I would bring like the baby out here with me. So I'd be like chatting to people like you here. Meanwhile, I've got like, you know, <laughs> little little wriggling infant like right next to me. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good fun. You know, can be a bit testing, though. Um the yeah i i thought you would be a a good guest to, to bring on jules because obviously we have these uh the, this sort of overlap in a couple of areas our our passion for beer and craft ales because we're both insufferable clearly um <laughs> insufferable hipsters on when it comes to beer it seems because we've both got the same beers yeah yeah right <laughs> like so here's the thing like for anyone uh not watching like the live stream uh, if you're just listening to audio. So the plan was like we would both kind of pick a beer and we'd talk a little bit about the craft ales that we like. Uh, and so I, I went and got mine and uh, Jules went and got his. And yeah, we've <laughs> we've ended up with the same. So is, is it this one here that you've got? Oh, no, 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 no. It looks very similar. Although, look, I wouldn't put it past. This oh, is yeah. Pretty... So this is, yeah, this is, well, let's, yeah. I think we've got plenty of time for beer and I've got my favourite brewery uh, selection with me. Which yes. I was surprised with later, but um, okay. for anyone who's, who's not that bothered about beer, they're going to go, "What a pair of millennial saddos," you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we'll get onto beer in a, in a little Absolutely. bit. That we can we can wrap up. Uh, you know, like when you you hear uh, a news bulletin and like the for the lion's share of the news bulletin, it's really fucking bleak, and then right at the end, they're just like. Ah, uh today they saved a dolphin in blah blah you know like yeah. the beer will be the happy light ending you know yeah 
Um, but yeah, so let's let's get into the the fatherhood stuff because you know clearly this is a, a subject, an area that's that's close to my heart. And you and I have discussed this a little bit uh, the other day when we were we were just sort of exchanging ideas of, of what we could talk about. Um, uh, my sense with with fatherhood is that although in Hollywood movies they make it seem like as soon as you become a dad, as soon as like the first time you hold your child, then that's it. Like there's it's this ray of light and it changes you and you just see everything clearly now. And like it, my experience is actually that it's a slower, more subtle, more nuanced transition. And it is equally yeah. drastic. Like it does shift who you are gigantically, yeah. but it is subtle. It's it's not an earthquake. It's like a sort of, you know, a, a, a hundred thousand ripple effect, you know? It's it's um what is it called death by a thousand um, <laughs> you know in many yeah. ways um, but I, it was funny because my um, transition into parenthood um, Charlie my wife won't mind me saying this but we were planning to try for a baby and I thought right this was like two, this was December 2018 we were like ah, in my head it was like it'll take six months no, I'm not worried the first time we tried we were in Australia. Mm. And got back, and then two months, no, a month went by, and she was like, I'm pregnant. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't have that chance to yeah. kind of go, right, here we go, this is the start of trying to have a baby. It was like literally straight away. Wow. You've got and some swimmer's I... jewels. <laughs> you got... <laughs> Even that, or she, or she ran off with an Australian surfer, and I didn't know, and so yeah. that's why I'm so, so blonde. Um, but what I didn't realise over the, the next uh, sort of nine, you know, nine, ten months from, you know, when he was conceived to when he was a tiny baby is I had the creeping shadow of chronic depression mm. come and take, come and take me. Uh, and um, it's funny when people talk about postnatal, postpartum depression mm. in, in mothers and rightly so mm. that gets, the, the biggest amount of the coverage because the amount of stuff that women have to go through to bring a, a life into this world and, and the man doesn't have to do as much anywhere near. But there is another side to it. You know, it's, it's father, it's male postpartum depression, I think. And I, I kind of had a feeling that I wasn't quite right before, mm. like, before we even started trying, I knew the something wasn't quite right. But those first three months of being a father, coupled with what was essentially my darkest time, mm. was hard, not only on me, having to have my life turned upside down with depression, but also on my wife, you know, on Charlie. So it was, it was, it's one of those where look, looking back now, it's, well, we've got, we've, we've, transitioned very smoothly to a point mm. uh, into parenthood but the start of it was was not like you said it's not a hollywood movie people are human beings with complex emotions mm. um, and having to deal with a newborn now looking back would i rather have a toddler or a newborn i'm like well they have both negative and positive but <laughs> it was it was this new life that we knew we had to focus our our time on coupled with deep chronic depression was very, very difficult. And I had to quit my job and then the pandemic hit. And yeah, it was very, it was, it was, it was dramatic, but. Was it like, 
it's one of the learning it's a learning curve of life and I think. you can tell me to to mind my business if if you want to i don't, no, want, I don't i'm very open Aid. i'm very open so i don't mind okay well I, I was just going to say so was the the depression like you alluded to it being sort of similar to a postpartum thing uh but for fathers so mm. was it like mostly rooted in the changes that your life was seeing as a result of having become a father yeah or, i think or was it coincidental like depression was there and also you became a father or yeah i think it's a mix of both so i think that the depression was there and i didn't realize i was mm. not fully aware of it so i've i've had patches of mental health stuff throughout my adult life but nothing nothing like this and i didn't really know um, and then obviously becoming a father or expecting to become a father it kind of accelerated the process mm. and obviously it got a lot worse when he was born um and i don't know if if male postpartum depression is studied enough rightly so because i think to a point you know the, the research should be more on the mother yeah the depression for mothers but that is an area where we're definitely uh, there's not as much exposure mm. to this because a lot of fathers they either switch off from it and just you know go down the traditional route of allowing the, the, the mother to deal with it and they go off to work and they don't have to worry mm. or it absorbs it absorbs their life so much that they're not expected because you can read so many books you can read the nct go to the nct classes you can read so many books but actually experiencing it is very, very different. So uh, it was a it was a, a baptism of fire in in a lot of ways um, because um, not that I probably would have, but I was close to suicide. To be really? honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, um, I thought you were going to say like you know, I mean. It, my like my situation my experience of it is is going to pale into uh insignificance versus yours but yeah i i, I suppose i thought that you had gone through a sort of similar journey to to myself where it was uh uh well i'll, I'll take you through it very briefly and then we'll, yeah. we'll sort of contrast and compare with with your own but my my situation was that in my late 20s and early 30s i had a, an explosive social life uh from like in in maidenhead when i was there i left when i was 26 but it was you know pubs every thursday friday saturday sunday uh it was then when i went to london uh, i got into comedy there was gigs on every night of the week uh then i got into warehouse parties and doing naughty things that i shouldn't have done getting a little bit too reco uh and and then it sort of a lot of that calmed down when i met my girlfriend but then when we had my son uh uh, I think I was half my brain was definitely ready to become a father and I'd always, always wanted to be, be a father. Uh, yeah. But also in the immediate aftermath, uh, not having like, let's say two sets of grandparents fighting over each other, like to help out to sort of, you know, to take the kid over the weekend so we can get some rest or, you know, yeah. clean the fucking bathroom or, you know, uh, what when it's just you and your wife or girlfriend and the baby, it, like in a house, and none of you have any freedom, and your wife or girlfriend's income has just vanished overnight, and then there's financial pressure on you to then provide everything, 
and you're tired and ratty and you 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 miss the old life that you used to have like these are all things that women have complained about for decades centuries probably um but when it's when it hits you as a man it's like it it lands slightly different because it's like do i have the right to complain about this when women have it way worse do i sound chauvinistic if i complain about it should i just shut the fuck up or you know or or maybe this is all to do with feelings and i'm a man so i shouldn't be talking about my feelings you know like there's so many layers and facets to it that just convince you to just shut the fuck up and keep it yeah. all bottled up um that it actually i think for me it manifested probably as depression although i was never like diagnosed i never really explored it but like what yeah. what out of that sounds familiar to you is that it does it does so yeah oh, my, okay. my my playbook um does read quite similar so um i met charlie when i was 24 um so before that you know going to university and living my best life and going traveling for six seven months and living my best life mm. coming back and you know being free and single and being able to enjoy life you know 23 24 met charlie and it was incredible like i met this person that i clicked with straight away and we didn't think about having kids. I mean, she was quite um, broody after the first three or four years, and I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't emotionally mature enough. But when it got to that point, you know, after we'd gotten married, and it was like, right, we're serious. I was definitely up for, because it, cause I think because I think the concept in your mind of being a father, if you can, if someone who doesn't have children imagines what it's like, they don't they don't imagine the endless hours of sleep. They can they can they can picture it, but you don't know until you experience everything involved in it. Mm. So whilst I was really excited to, to be a father, because I knew this was a huge life moment, a huge landmark, it, um, it you know, it's like trying to shrug off, shrug off a shadow. It's impossible to just go, I right, just get on with it. And just, um, cause I, I could have, I could have drowned myself in alcohol, mm. uh, and you know, <laughs> naughty substances or what have you but what kind of person would that have been you know new father you know i had to deal with it in the best way possible being the best father i could being the best husband i could like you said the wife's income is reduced i had to make sure that i was bringing in the cash um luckily the place i worked at they they realized the state i was in um and um helped me the best they could and when they realized i couldn't do the job they just said look well We'll make you redundant. You, we'll, we'll give you a payout. You just go and sort your sort your head out. Mm. And it actually, it actually helps. It worked wonders before the pandemic really hit because I had this money behind me, and we went away, and I had some R and R. And Tom, my my boy, started getting a bit older, and his sleep pattern started to settle down, and it, it got a lot better. Um, and you got to summer twenty twenty, and things were a lot lot better. I was on, I'd been on antidepressants for six seven months, and it's just one of those where I think men uh, in past generations have either not had to deal with the brunt of par or parenthood to the degree that women, that, that mothers do. Um, but obviously having to deal with the reality of mental health mm. in men when in the past, like you said, stiff up a lip, get on with it. Yeah. Drink, drink your way to... Um, to work and what have you and i think that's just how men dealt, dealt with it back then you know you weren't encouraged to face your potential weaknesses yeah um but then i also i i think 
in terms yeah. of like how how men face it now or how men express their their issues and the struggles that they have with becoming fathers i feel yeah. like it's it's still like decades behind mums like you see that these resources out there like mums net you see like mum mumsy influencers like mother pucker and they do an amazing job of sharing their stories and their struggles with mums who are going through a similar thing and i'm sure some dads as well like follow them and and it resonates with them but there's not really it's like a complete dearth of like dad's influences like would yeah. no there's not i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure there are um you know dads who are influencers and then they utilize that subject to create content or what have you but the way i look at it look like i said before that that's Compared to, compared to mums, have got it easy overall. So when it comes to support networks, mothers, I always say to Charlie, if I could take some of the burden away mm. from her, from pregnancy and having to deliver the, the baby and breastfeed, then I would take some of that, or, you know, at least, you know, a big chunk of it away. But, you know, but we're expected to be the support network and go on as normal most of the time because a lot of people look at men and go, well, what are you what are you depressed about? What are you struggling with? Yeah. So, okay, well, look, we're not, you're not, we're not robots. Bloody yeah. hell, we're, we're human beings. Um, and we're going to, you know, the big life events are going to affect us. And I think that's definitely changing. Like the, the shift in, like we know, like we've seen the shift in men discussing mental health. I think largely thanks to people like Tyson Fury um, has had a huge impact. Um, so whilst I think, I think the advice from, for mums is, is, is wide ranging, I think there's a good reason for that. But at the same time, there's, there's definitely a gap in the market. I was going to ask, did you, have you ever done NC, did you do NCT? Yeah. Because for me, that was amazing. Because really? you got to connect with fathers. Um, obviously at the start, it was fathers and mothers going to classes, but afterwards it was connect with fathers and you could relate because you were all in the same boat. So you'd, you know, you'd, you'd meet up for a drink and then you go, Oh yeah, I was up at three AM, you know, bottle feeding the baby, and and they'd be like, yeah, you know, coming yeah. in sick, babysit. So we could all relate to each other. Yeah, and so that was a massive part of that. See, that, that was a big support network, and I think that I mean that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think when it comes to stuff like that, I think it's good. Like from what I've heard about NCT and from my own experience, I think it serves a purpose for some people. Um, mm. Yeah, I think for the mums in our group they found strength in knowing that there were there was other people going through the same thing at the same time um their bodies changing in the same way uh, and all gearing up for this big life-changing event and the welcoming in of all of our new babies together and uh I, i think that was really good really good for them um for the dads it was like the difference between the mums and the dads was just so stark it was like the mums chat like you know they all jump on like a whatsapp group together and they chat and it was just constant it was just like like lucy's phone was just ping 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 like constantly the dad's chat like barely fucking it and like i count myself as a fairly chatty guy like you know what i'm like in in our like ethical chat right yeah but uh uh i'm i'm usually quite active and reactive when people post and so in the dad's chat 
in NCT, I was probably the most chat, but it's just fucking dead. Like nobody, t- nobody talking to, or maybe, uh, it, was maybe not- it was me. Like, I don't know, but it was, I, I mean, I think it's one of those at the start, um, it was quite busy, but it was, it's obviously going to be things like lads banter, which mm-hmm. is expected. You know, it's one of those, the, 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 the dichotomy and how that obviously those two WhatsApp groups are going to be used is, is probably quite stark, but, just having that there, yeah. Knowing you can put out there, oh lads, you know, maybe wouldn't stop crying last night. Oh, yeah, I totally feel feel you. Yeah, like me and the missus had to, you know, do this and do that. So it's it's. I think it's just knowing that someone is experiencing the same things as you. And it's funny because um, my other half is still friends, with, good friends with two of the, two of the mums. Yeah. Um, and I meet up. It's periodic with, with the dads like we still keep in contact and stuff so it's, it's it's great it really is but yeah fatherhood in in 2022 in 2020 2022 is yeah is i i would expect our grandparents would look at us and go yeah <laughs> what are you you know yeah what what advice would you give to somebody like maybe there's somebody listening to this who he and his missus are thinking about having a baby and he doesn't really know what to expect. And she's like, Oh, listen to this podcast. Like what, what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe six months away from conceiving or they're just starting to try to conceive now? What would you say it's like? Yeah. I mean, look, put your expectations in the bin really, <laughs> because, because you can, you can have perceptions. That's, about- that's where they belong is low <laughs> expectations. <laughs> In the way, put it at the back of your head. No, um, just don't. You can't just 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 ignore all your expectations and just go in there, um, knowing that there's going to be things that are going to surprise you. Um, the way I, the, the three words that I use to sum up parenting, and I don't know if you agree with this, aid is it? It humbles, overjoys, and irritates me all in equal <laughs> measure. Because uh, I mean, it obviously depends on the age of the child, but. Um, seeing, looking into the eyes of my boy and seeing me look back, look back in, you know, he's got, the, he's got my eyes and that is incredible for a person yeah. to have that. Um, that's one of the beauties. That's an amazing thing about it. But obviously, and you only hear about the negative things on things like TikTok and online. Uh, and that can put people off. It can obviously, but um, nothing is ever easy in life. That's not, that's not worth it. Mm. you know i think if, if it's yeah go on i was just going to say so yeah just to sort of join the dots on your your three pillars as it were i i mean i wholeheartedly agree i think so i i post sort of you know uh glib tweets and i do the odds like joke on facebook and stuff about how hard fatherhood is and it is really fucking grueling um you know no, nobody's going to sugarcoat it for anyone on this podcast it's fuck it's hard fucking work and there are times that you just don't want to get up in the middle of the night for the fifth or sixth time uh, yeah. and feed your kid no like and then you, and then you go back to bed Jules and like you you know you need to sleep and you know that your daughter's asleep now but you, for some reason you just can't drop off and it's like 2 a.m. <laughs> you're like I guess I'm up now yeah yeah uh, so one of the things I've noticed is self sabotage I don't know how you've, if you've ever experienced this, but it's like, I don't know what the, what the phrase is, but it's something like time self-sabotage. So because I invest so much of my time with my boy, mm. when it gets to the, the, uh, the time to go to sleep, 
subconsciously, I want to utilize as much time as I can. So I just sit and either work or just mess around on my phone. And yeah, it, it ends up, you obviously you're punishing yourself. You're not really helping yourself, but it's because inherently maybe subconsciously you're thinking I I've not done the things I want to do I've not had time to myself because there isn't enough time to do that so it's because the balance of work yeah work has kind of been blurred with the pandemic it's become yeah. more to, to know yourself and it can it can kick you in the arse that attitude because like I I don't actually think I think I'm being fair here to myself but I don't think I've really done that with being a dad but i have done it when so i used to work at a big four consultancy years ago and i fucking hated it jules it was so shit i hated my boss she hated me i was objectively terrible at the job every fucking day i went into that place i hated it but what i found myself doing was sort of like similar to what you're talking about although i'm sure you don't hate your job as a father right but um it like what i found was I would then stay up until like one or two in the morning on a Sunday night because I was just dreading going back into that office and you want some time to yourself. Like, no, I want to watch this movie or I want to play this video game or talk to this mate on instant messenger. And of course, what you do then by doing that is, as you say, like self-sabotage, you you stay up later, you make yourself more tired the next day. So then you're less effective. And so at the end of that day, you're like more irritable and more tired and impatient. And, you know, the cycle continues then. Yeah. But look, it's one of those where if a, if a father, if a guy is thinking, you know, I want to have a kid, but I'm not sure, you know, I, 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 you know, I know how much it's going to take over my life. It will. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to fucking sugarcoat it. It's going to, because, uh, you're having to prioritize this person in your life. You know, every time I go out shopping, it's always, oh, you know, could Tom need this? Or what will Tom eat for dinner? And it, it just completely takes over your life. But when looking back, do I miss the old life? I'm not, I'm not uh, in my late 20s anymore. Mm. You know, I'm in my mid-30s. And do I want to go back to that? What was it? The Easter, Easter Friday, me and the other half, uh, her parents took Tom away for the weekend. We had the whole day on Friday to ourselves. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. We didn't know what to do. We were literally like, okay, we could do this, we could do that. And we were like, we've got all this free time. We were, we were, we were not used to it. So we've become this concept, this person, this parent. Uh, and many people would be shocked by that and they wouldn't want to change. And look, parenting is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And many people would say, having kids, not for me. And that's purely, that's purely subjective. But I think a lot of the time they base that on things like climate change, overpopulation, cost of living. Uh, and the fact that we have availability of information about these things makes it less justifiable to want to have a kid in this world. But I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's startling that in countries like Japan, we're seeing a decrease in the, in the population yeah because uh, people just don't have time to have children don't have the resources and we could be facing a, an underpopulation a de- depreciating population crisis when yeah. we're old yeah well there's a big thing at the moment about how i think it was in the in the mail mail or express this is about three or four months ago i saw a clipping of a story where it said like uh like the, the the crux of it was basically oh no like young people aren't having babies anymore 
Uh, and there was obviously loads of people quote tweeting this and sharing it about saying like, who wants to tell these fucking geniuses that it's impossible to have a family now when you can't afford a house to give them security. You're still paying back your student loan. And they're talking about hiking that again. Now we're in a cost of living crisis. That wasn't even really being reported like three or four months ago. Um, you know, it's, it's probably the last thing on a lot of people's minds is how, how do I increase I mean, how do I indebt myself for the next 18 years by probably... like, How much do you reckon raising a child costs now? I reckon about I two, saw, two mil, yeah. do you reckon? I saw, I'm sure I saw, I saw a figure on it, and it was something along those lines yeah. over their, their entire child life um, until they can, you know, uh, sort themselves out financially. But um, it it's difficult. I... Uh, I can kind of see why people wouldn't want to have children these days because we are exposed to so much information that gives us a reality of what the world is like through social media and things. But I saw I saw a statistic. That's a funny word to try and get out when you've got you know beer in your belly. Yeah. Um, human beings have faced quite a number of hardships over the years, over the over you know since we evolved into mm. the existence, of God. and yet people still had kids then. And maybe it's because they weren't aware of the hardships going on in the world, or they just thought they had to have children because that's how it was. But since the 1950s, the number of people not in poverty has climbed from 900 million to 6 billion from 2015. So quality of life has increased worldwide. Uh, Even in the last like seven years then, you say? Well, it's difficult to know, obviously, with with the, the lack of, I don't know if there's a lack. I only found this this piece of data, but I just find it interesting that we look at the world as, as fucked for kids. You know? Yeah. I have, I have my own mum saying, "Don't have children. The world the world's screwed." And I was like, "Sorry." Yeah. <laughs> you have <it>, us. <laughs> <laughs> but you just look at you look at you look at times in 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 um, human civilization. You know, things like world wars and things, and people still had children then. Um, and they were still having families through plagues, and so we're quite we're quite lucky in 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 the grand scheme of human history. But because we are able to see a wide spectrum of what the world is like, we're able to see the human race for what it really is, you know, yeah. on a on a microscope. Well, also, I think. Yeah, so like we understand more about the world and its vulnerabilities and how brittle existence is, and so yeah, yeah. So with things like climate change and the prospect of a nuclear war that could render a, a you know huge subsections of the planet completely uninhabitable, uh, with fossil fuels expiring and 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 not even just climate change, but like the ripple effects of climate change, where you're going to have millions literally millions tens of millions of people will be left without fresh water and they will have to migrate to other parts of the globe so you're going to get huge swells of migration war famine like Mm -hmm. all of these horrible crises that are almost certainly going to happen and we know that because we have a, a a a more broad and much deeper understanding of a succession of areas so i feel like although people must have thought the world was ending in like let's say 1942 uh you know like why would you have a baby in the middle of the second world war like that must have felt very dangerous but at the same time they must have thought well wars don't last forever either germany will win or you know 
the West yeah. will win or, you know, they must, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's quite equal in terms of the, the situation. I think if you decided to not have a child now, based on the information that you have, it would be a much more credible <laughs> decision. Yeah, but you know? it's funny because I saw one of your TikToks where you were talking about how people can just ignore reality of, of the world and climate change and world war and things like that and, and be like, meh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I think those people switch off and they just want to hide, hide from it. And so they just ignore it like it's not happening and then just get on with life because to them, they don't want to have to face the reality of those things and have to think about parenthood. I had to think about parenthood in this world. They just think about parenthood within their, their four walls, yeah. within their bubble. Uh, so that's what I think, just from my own subjective perspective, that's how I look at it, that people try and justify having a child um, despite everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also think people, people like human beings generally are kind of naively confident of their own existence so like when when we're like 20 or 25 we are we truly think it's like we think we're invincible we have no understanding of risk and then as you get older that sense of risk is there it does form slowly in your frontal lobe or whatever but but you do retain a sort of uh a sort of brexity like yeah it'd be all right you know like a sort of dismissive attitude that everything will work out somehow, you know, like the oil's going to run out. Nah, they'll just nah, be fine. grow more. No. Yeah. 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 It's true. People tend to kind of look at it and go, the scientists have got it. You know, the world will be fine. It's always been fine. Yeah. We don't, we don't know that. I think one of those things, like you said, there could be a, there could be a real, um, how do you, how would you word this? A war, a war on water. Yeah. Uh, the water wars. Water wars where there's going to be a massive hike in prices and mass immigration due to swathes of the, of the, of the world not being able to live. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those where I look at it and go, would countries like the UK really be affected on the whole other than cost, cost increase? Yeah. It's difficult because the government, like, like we've seen with things like the vaccines, the COVID, we got a massive chunk of the, Pfizer vaccines because we pay for the funding. Yeah, uh, and look at, look at poorer countries; they didn't get a good, a good uh, amount of them straight away because we muscled in. Yeah, and I think it will be the same. Yeah, it you're will- right. I mean, like if you cast your mind back, this has sort of been lost in the sands of time and and uh, the the deluge of noise that's come out in the last two or three years. But yeah, do you remember when there was that story going around that? Trump had basically phoned the drug company or something and tried to outbid. Like he was just like, I want to buy all the stock. He just wanted to buy all the vaccine stock. And then America would just have and like hold all of the vaccines. And I had friends of mine saying like, yeah, well, you know what? I'd like somebody like that to be like our president. And I was like, are you fucking mental? Like, (laughs) Like what kind of sociopath does that? Just like yeah, I'll just buy buy them all. We'll have them all. Well, it's like a survival instinct, isn't it? In many ways, on a, on a global scale. But it on would. A... It was so self defeated. Like that would never actually happen. Like even if the drug company had sold them all to him for America, other countries would have ended up either invading or doing to America exactly. what we're now doing to Russia, which is effectively like turning the taps off of the financial institutions. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah. So it'd be a very short-termist uh, solution, I think. Um, I, I want to sort of spool back to your your three pillars comment because I thought that was quite interesting. So where we were talking about, uh, or you were talking about, um, the three sort of aspects of, of fatherhood uh, mm. that you come back to. So uh, remind me again what they were. Hum- parenthood humbles, overjoys, and irritates in equal measure. Right, yeah. So... Right. So I've spoken a lot and I've, I've posted these sort of jokes about how hard it is, but uh, I do think it's important. So like if, if someone were listening to this and they were thinking about having a baby or, you know, they're trying for one at the moment, I, although I don't want to sugarcoat it, I do want to express how amazing it is because sometimes I think when you're a cold hearted cynic as I am about a lot, uh, whatever comes out of your mouth sounds like sarcastic and you know embittered and um but so much of fatherhood is an incredible experience to the point where it like now this sounds like a movie right but there's sometimes i'm just in the kitchen you know fixing up something making a coffee or something and i'll walk around the corner and my son will be sat there on on the couch like watching pj masks or uh (laughs) whatever and I'll literally just look at him and I'll just be like, I don't understand how such a beautiful child could have ever come from my balls. Like I, I just <laughs> don't get it, but he's so like, obviously I'm biased, but I'm just like, he's such a sweet kid yeah. and you know, and it's, and, uh, yeah. and then the I'll, things... sorry, you, you go. I was going to say one of the things that I really have, um loved experiencing and seeing it's just the effect having a child has on everyone around you Mm. so the effect that it's been the effect that it's had on my parents on charlie's parents on my sibling on charlie's sibling he's he's enriched their lives he's nourished he's nourished their 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 perception of what it means to be grandparents or uncles or aunts and he he has brought so much joy to everyone's life yeah and i think even even if he can be a total shitbag <laughs> oh god today just 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 didn't want to he wanted to ride his scooter on the sand in the playground i was like no mate you can't do that yeah you can't do that and he had a total meltdown uh <laughs> but the joy he brings to people in his life his grandparents it's just it's so worth it yeah, because we see the effect having this new person in their lives can really enrich, and it, it obviously enriched our life because we're, we're he's a product of us. Yeah, you know, we're seeing traits of of us coming through, and like I said, I, I look at him and I see my own eyes, and that is for a person to experience. That's incredible. Mm. That really is incredible. It's like nothing. It's like nothing you'll ever experience. And those weeks and months of having to get up early and change those nappies and feel tired and irritated and having to deal with this tantrum toddler who just doesn't want to eat. And this, it, it, when they get to five or six, that will just be a memory. And you, it's, yeah, you're only living in those moments, in those moments. And yes, there's going to be a bit of an after effect of God, we've been through it in the last few months, but in the grand scheme of life yeah you're not going to regret it that's a that's a huge thing like uh so from from my perspective 
like so i have an 18 month old daughter and a five-year-old son and my five five-year-old's pretty laid back now like he still throws a, a couple of tantrums every now and then uh my daughter is just shy of the tantrum period but when when they both kick off or they're both screaming or he's screaming and it upsets her or like or, or, or indeed, if I can't go to something that I really want to go to because of childcare issues, or if they fall ill last minute and I have to cancel and then my friends take the piss out of me again because I've cancelled again and I'm really flaky and all that stuff. Like, there's so much of it that is infuriating. But yet, it is, as you say, it's a, like, it's a super important point that it is just when they're really young. And I think that's a really important thing to drill into fathers-to-be or, or men who are considering being a father is that it is really hard, right, for the first, let's say, two years, three years of the young child's life, right? But that's it's not forever. Like, it's yeah. eventually they will grow out of the tantrum phase and eventually your wife or girlfriend will go back to work and eventually they will require less constant like watching they're not gonna always be trying to pull knives out of the thing and kill themselves and or well, i don't know maybe they will be <laughs> like i mean it depends how good a father you are depending on <laughs> when they grow out of that one but uh uh but yeah i suppose my point there is like um uh that it is just while they're really young and i think that for a lot of men it gets hard really quickly and maybe they didn't expect it to get hard and they didn't expect to have to give up their hobby and they didn't expect to have their disposable income depleted to such an extent or to have their wife or girlfriend that ratty or that knackered and and shouting at them or what like it's not fun for a little bit of time and for for some men they just go i can't fucking handle this shit my life was so much better before I'm going to cash out. Bye. See you later. And then you've got a single mother and a deadbeat dad. It's just sort of walked out. And, and I think, yeah. so it's really important, I think, to just drill it into to dads to be and men who are considering becoming fathers that, you know, it can be hard. You just got to tough it out for a little bit and then it does get easier. Perspective. It really is about perspective because a lot of the time, like you said, these experiences are very short-term in the grand scheme of things. Before you know it, they're three months, four months old, they've got their sleeping pattern down. Um, six months for us was the was like the pinnacle. Like He was at that stage where he wasn't quite crawling, his sleep was brilliant, and yeah. he was just this baby that could play, uh, and you didn't have to worry about stuff being picked up or messed with. Or in the case of my two-and-a-half-year-old last week, um, uh, the door was unlocked for some reason. So I must have been getting something in the car. He opened the door, ran out. Uh, and it's one of those where you just look at things like that and you go, like you said, it's temporary. Yeah. It, it's temporary. And, and you just have to treasure those, these moments and know that unless you're going to have more than one, these things, these are moments will never, you'll never have them again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, it's like, it's like anything in life. It's like being on holiday and realizing how amazing it is on holiday, but it's trying to trying to soak up that moment and realize before you know it, you're home and yeah. you're not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I mean, if I had one prevailing regret of the time my son was a baby, it would be like, I, like, I wish I had taken, I, I took a lot of photos and a lot of videos, but I wish that I had, I don't know, collated them. I wish I'd taken more uh i don't know it it seems like a, a lot of that period has left my memory just in the chaos of 
Right, actually, here's, here's a weird thing. See if, I, I don't know if you can relate to this, if this is something that happens to all men when they go through parenthood, but my son was born in 2016, uh, which was only seven years ago. But in my mind, that is about two years ago, right? It feels like about two years ago that that happened, that we were in Guildford Hospital, that the NCT meetings were happened, uh, were happening, sorry. And like, like if you if you paired it with another memory in my brain from two years ago, I'd be like, yeah, that feels like those two things happened around the same time. But it happened seven years ago. But I, it's like there's ten years worth of fucking memories, like all smushed. It so it's like becoming a father really like just jilted and jaded my like my brain's capacity to store and like grade memory it's just really fucked it no i know what you mean and and one of the things that i think put would maybe put off people is this idea of oh, like you say having to give up stuff mm. as well and one of the identity one of the things that i really am realizing is the identity crisis that you have as a parent because i don't know if you share this and many other parents watching but like I came to the realization with my other half, like uh, my identity, I, who I am before, before kids, you were you and your life revolved around you doing, and you and whoever was close, you were close to in life doing things when you wanted. Mm. And you, that identity, that perception of who you are and your interests and, it, it, it doesn't go away completely, but it definitely takes a back seat because especially with a younger child, you have to realize that you have to, you have to spend so much of your time just looking after them, bringing them up, making sure that they're fed properly and they sleep properly and they do enough to stimulate them. And oh, yeah, it's, you start to realize how much of the person you were is not there anymore. There's that, but it's also if you invert that, mentality and you say okay it's not that i i lost something or it's not that i i don't get to be that identity anymore it's that you used to live quite selfishly and now you're living selflessly like yes. you're focusing all your attention on this little human being as you say like trying to feed them trying to craft them and mold them and make them into an all right human being that's not going to piss too many people off and yeah. you know it's so it's like a, it's a like, I suppose the glass is half empty way of looking at it is oh, I've lost something. I've lost who I used to be, but the half full would be, I get to, I get to be this kid's father, you know? But I think one of those, that's, that's one of those things where maybe in the moment you're not feeling it. Mm. You're not feeling that, that, um, that perception of I, I've been this child's father, you know, it's it's like that old adage of living each day like it's your last. People don't really do that. It's very, very difficult to do that. You know, you can't take a step back every day and go, how amazing is it to be a father, to be like a child, or how amazing is it to live a life and be alive and healthy and and not have to deal with hardship necessarily. Um, not everyone can do that. No, I think pretty much everyone can't do that. I'd be very surprised if there's anyone who can really do that. Mm. but it's just it's just interesting that that perception only becomes obvious to you when you're not in that position mm. i think yeah um, yeah i mean so i think when when you're in your teens 
in your teens is when you really first become aware of how the rest of the world sees you uh and so yeah. then you construct an identity that you yeah. think reflects your sensibilities and music taste and film taste and, and all the rest of it uh, then you get into your 20s and you relax that a little bit but you're still acutely aware of whether you're cool or whether you're sexy or hot and wh yeah. whether people think you've, you're funny and if they like like inviting you out to parties and, and all that shit and then you get into your 30s or, or whenever it is that you become a father and you do you like the the sense of identity or the obsession of identity uh i don't know i sort of i feel like in my case i sort of miss or missed uh who i used to be in like a lot of my old lifestyle but then yep. gradually you as as you grow accustomed to being a father you actually wrap more of the identity of being the dad around yourself yeah. and then that becomes who you are and then as you sort of i think you alluded to earlier then when you look back at that old lifestyle that you used to have it's like would i do i want to go back to that really or do i quite like taking my kid out on his bike yeah and... i mean the idea the concept of going clubbing now aid it just fills me with horror yeah i can't think of anything worse if i went to a club now like weirdly i was talking to Jen, john left of the countryside about this earlier but um i was saying like you know there's a small part of me that would like to go to a warehouse party again or go to like a you know red stripe and you know get get reco for the weekend you know but but then i i here's here's the problem is i'm fantasizing about a life that used to exist like you know 15 years ago but now yeah. if i went back to these things and i was holding a red stripe getting all wrecked i think other people would they'd be like who brought their fucking dad like <laughs> you know no why is life, why is the taxi driver wrecked like exactly exactly and that life has gone and i think it's one of those where you can't really you, you know, you, you you have nostalgia for the person that you were, but in reality, going back to that is is not possible. No, because you, you've changed and you're not the same person as you were. Uh, look, it, I can't imagine. I think the eighteen year old me going off, going clubbing, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and 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 um, being just just and being having an obsession with drinking. And hooking up with girls and would look at me at 36 and go, what, what, what a fucking loser. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> one, it's one of those where it's like, you live at home. I live at home. You have a home, but you have a kid and you're married. Oh, that's cool. You know, I expect that at that age. This is what I'm imagining my 18 year old self would say. Yeah. Right? But like, you don't go out and socialize as much. Like I would just be like, who, who is this? Like you, you're like my dad yeah people this is the this is the thing like there's different stages in life and i wouldn't want to go back to that 18 to 20 whatever it was 23 24 year old where it was like a no no worries kind of going out as much as possible and i had expendable cash because i was thinking my dad and yeah I, but it's a very like do you think when you become a father it's I feel like it's a sort of awakening, like not in the instant sense, like I mentioned earlier, like it's sort of a nuanced, gentle graduation almost. But I feel like now if I saw people who don't have kids who still live like we used to when we were like 23, still going down the pub all the time, getting smashed, yeah, still yeah. taking like 
girls back home every Thursday, Friday night. Like, uh, I would I, be a bit I, like, I you like need that. to grow the fuck up. Like, yeah, totally. You know, I like that. I know there's a couple of people from my from, from my school who still do that, and I see them on Instagram. And I'm like, you're 36, 35. <laughs> what? You're acting like a 21 year old. What is happening? Yeah, and they're going out with like younger guys on yeah. the night. I'm like, you realise you're 35. You're, you're the not- old dude. You're the old guy at the end of the bar with the Guinness that everyone's <laughs> like, oh, what's that old guy doing it? Yeah. It's this clinging on to this perception of what life needs to be, which is like partying. And, and okay, fine. If that's what you want to do in life, cool. That'd be, um, what's the guy? Danny, Danny Blitanian? What's, what's his name? There's a guy, he's, a, he's like a Lothario. He just, he just has women on his shoulder all the time. He's a, he's a millionaire and it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah. do, like, do you ever look at people like that? And so there's two, two examples that, I'm, that leap to mind, right? So the first one is Hugh Hefner. So everyone looks at Hugh Hefner like, oh, fucking Hugh Hefner, man. He's living the dream. The guy's a fucking millionaire. He's got like blondes with big tits hanging off. His, oh, it's, that guy's doing it. I wish I was Hugh. And, and yeah, it's like, but do you? Do you re- like, because... Here's the thing that nobody really wants to admit. Like everyone fantasizes about that, but here's the thing: men since forever have got together with traditionally a woman, right? And then they have babies, and then they grow as a family, and then the babies grow up, and then they become, you know, the sons or daughters, and then they it's, they become a grandpa. You know, it's like a familial unit, and it's worked very successfully for fucking millennia. That is a normal way to operate. What is not a normal way to operate is to grow up, to get to like 20, to become emotionally stunted, not mature, not get beyond that moment and permanently live in a period that exhausted itself fucking 20 years ago. Like that is not normal. And if you're Hugh Hefner and you're you're constantly living out this teenager's wet dream, it's like, that's okay, cool. Like I'm sure everyone's going to say, oh, AIDS fucking just envious of Hugh Hefner. He fucking give a nut to live Hugh's lifestyle. I'd like to be rich, but I don't know if I'd swap places with him, you know? Well, it's, 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 it's growing and progressing as a person, isn't it? Not standing still. Yeah. A lot of people don't like the idea of changing or growing up or becoming quote unquote, an adult with adult responsibilities. And I, I always joke about this. I'm like, I always say like, who, who, um, who gave me, I didn't get the memo that I had to be an adult. I, I, I had no choice. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where it's like I didn't really have a choice in this matter. I was forced to be an adult by society. Like, if you want to have money, you have to get a job. If you want to uh, lead a fulfilling life, you have to have kids. And it's like you're being pumped with this subconscious idea about what it, what it means to be an adult. You can't live as a 16, 17, 18 year old all your life. No. And and it's, you just can't. And and but this is the thing. Like it, it's if if you do live like that, if you do remain stunted in this sort mm-hmm. of you know wrap yourself in arrested development and or <laughs> midlife crisis, like whatever you want to brand it as. Uh, the the thing is, is that most people will look at that individual and be like, ah, you know, like there's a cringe factor to that and it's not just from like women looking at him like oh he's not a suitable suitor like i'm not interested in him sexually or romantically it's like men will also look at that man and be like there's some like there's just when did you stop developing you know like it's like man child territory like 
Like there was a, yeah. there was a, um, a reality show my girlfriend was watching uh, a couple of years ago, like Life on Marbs, I think it was called. Oh my goodness! It's fucking Life terrible. Oh my! It was awful. I think it was Life on Marbs. Could have been something else, but super trashy anyway. And there was a guy on that, and well, there were three guys on it. So and like a couple of them were like young. They were sort of you know twenty, twenty three year old like handsome men as you would expect to see on shows like that. And then there was another guy who was he was in his forties and he was hanging out with these two like young twenty somethings. They were all getting hammered, going out. And I remember saying to Lucy, I was just like, what the fuck is that guy's deal? Like, why is he hanging out with kids? Like, it's like, I never want to be that. Even if even if Lucy and I split up and, you know, shared custody or, you know, sold the house and all the rest of it. I never fucking want to be that guy. (laughs) No, no. And like you said, it's these changes in, in stages in life. Yeah. And I think more so than ever. Uh, especially with us, um, we talked about it before we went on air about, I don't know if you're a millennial or not, you're kind of on the border, aren't you? But millennial parents, we are, I think we're different. We're a different breed of parents. I really do. I think that mm. because I look, I look at my, my, my parents' generation. Um, and my, 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 um, my, my childhood was slightly different. I don't know if you know this aid or not, but my dad came out as gay when I was six. You have um, mentioned that before, but yeah, that's gigantic yeah. for a, a six-year-old. To... Well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know whether it was too early for me or not, but it's one of those where obviously my childhood was very different because I had, you know, uh, one parent who was living what was in the nineties the LGBT community, and that has shaped me as a person. But it made me made me a different kind of parent, you know, a bit more uh, less traditional. Yeah, uh, but I think millennials in general, we are more dads are more involved. I think much more, yeah. much more involved, and um, we want to be more involved, and we don't want to be a repeat of, you know, past generations who, you know, the dads go to work and they barely changed a nappy, you know, yeah. and they're the ones who are providing with bringing in the money and that. I I don't I really don't think our generation on the whole want to do that. I think we want to be involved as much as possible and. Especially yeah. with the fact that there hasn't been that shift at all in how women have to behave when it comes to children. Though they still have to experience the same things. All you know, all the issues with uh, pregnancy and com- complications with pregnancy and delivery and breastfeeding and, and their money being cut. Like we like we've said, it's that there it hasn't shifted for them. And the best we I think the best thing we can do as a as a generation because we're the main ones having kids at the minute, aren't we? really millennials so it's to be the best we can without repeating the mistakes of our past generations i think as as the generations go on it becomes it'll become much more uh much more equal i saw i saw what was it about a year and a half year and a half ago i saw a study that's that they were testing a, a drug that would allow fathers to breastfeed really yes <laughs> would you take so, it i would i would See, that's interesting. I think yeah. I would. I'm. I'm here. I am talking about how some men need to grow up a bit. I am childish enough to shirk that. Comp- I would feel emasculated. I'd feel like 
yeah, not not comfortable. And I know that's all that's on me. That's, that's something maybe I need to work out. But that would be a step too far. I, I like to think progressive, but maybe not that progressive. We have the tissue there already, eh? so we've already got that in there. That's why the reason we have nipples is because we were female first in the womb. But the fact that we were able to do that and it won't affect us on in the long term, and we can take away some of that burden from from the mothers. I think it's worth the sacrifice personally. It's one of those ways, obviously, like I said, it's subjective, but there's a lot of dads to be listening to this podcast that were, they were with us right up until this point. (laughs) (laughs) Press freedom. It's like, it's, it's all, it's it's very experimental, but I think, I think, I think our children, when they get to our age and they're having children, yeah, we don't know. It could be, it could be a complete shift in that. Could be. I don't know. I just think, I think if I, if my girlfriend walked in and saw me breastfeeding our infant, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if she would look at me the same way again. Might chest, be the end of chest, our sex life. Chest feeding. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it would be chest feeding, wouldn't it? Yeah. Jules, this has been fun, man. Um, we're, actually, we haven't even touched on beer yet. Let's, let's talk very briefly about beer, uh, our other shared uh, interest. Uh, what are you drinking there? So initially, what are you drinking, first of all? Because I think we were sharing a similar kind of thing where we were looking at... Yeah, so uh, I've got a I've got, uh, beer uh, Bliotech. Did you, get a German, did you get a German box? Um, is it German? Because obviously with Beer 52, it's themes, isn't it? It's different themes based on countries. Beer Bliotech, and then this one is Chinook ipa right okay i don't know what the theme is i've got a new england pale ale so a pressure drop tambourine mountain which is really nice but so i've been looking forward to trying this this is my favorite brewery at the minute is malt city Mm -hmm. malt Malt city do a number of sour beers different and i know john left to the countryside we've had this conversation before so this one yeah this one is i don't know if you can see that carrot cake okay yeah and then i've got because they, they, they do they have different flavors when it you know depending on what the theme is summery or whatever wintery. So this one this one is cherry cola. Oh right, okay, cherry cola cherry. like pale ale then. So it's a session. It's a session sour. Nice. This this they're based in Edinburgh, and the number of times that I've gone into this brewery, mm. into this um, craft beer shop, sorry, and the, the owners are always like, "Oh, you got some Vault City. We love a Vault City here." Yeah. And it's just interesting that I'm not the only one because it's one of those where it's like I could just be a complete freak. Yeah. But so I've not tried this one yet. Eh? Okay, so, try it now live on air. So this one, obviously, carrot cake. They yeah. do say on the bottle uh, it's got uh, with hints of sweet vanilla and 800 kilos of real carrots. Jesus. As if that wasn't enough, we've gone and added four whole carrot cakes directly to the mash for a truly authentic experience. So it's basically a cake beer. Sounds pretty lush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Does it count as five a day? You've got so many carrots in there? Hey, look, I can't imagine it wouldn't because it's got actual carrots in it. Yeah. Why would it not? Now, obviously, I, you can't experience this, so it's going to be one of those where it's like, well... Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's extremely vanilla. Yeah. It looks like vomit, but cool. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! Is it good? Yeah, that's really good. 
That's really. <laughs> I feel like I'm like advertising them. <laughs> I know. Like, how is it, Jules? You're like, oh, it's incredible, life changing. Oh no, but yeah, it's one of those where they. Um, if you were to say one brewery that is my favorite at the minute, it's definitely Vault City because I just think they, the beers they do are incredible. Do you like right. Beaver Town? See, I like because I'm a Spurs supporter, so I go to the ground and they've got a microbrewery there. So I like drinking it at the ground. But when it comes to at home, I funny enough, I've got a Beaver Town one in the fridge. But yeah, not not a massive. Are you are you a big Beaver Town? I quite like Beaver Town. Yeah, and uh, what's the other one that sort of reminds me of like Hell Hell Hepcat? Do you like Hepcat? Hepcat. Hepcat IPA. Yeah, that one. You want to check them out. Cloud Water is another one I really like. Ooh, might make Cloud- a of that. Yeah. Um, who else? I've gone off Brewdog mainly because of their disgusting practices when it comes to their workers. Right. So I don't know much about this. I still have Brewdog quite a lot. <laughs> and people are like, oh, like they've they've seen me drinking one on a TikTok. And they're like surprised that you bought them after their debacles. I'm like, I honestly have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And I'm sort of, I'm like Michael Jackson fans at the second trial, just like putting my fingers in my ears. Like, I don't want to hear it. Don't ruin this. <laughs> yeah. They're just, um, the, 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 the way that they have treated their workers is, is disgusting. Is it along the lines of like, what, um, Amazon? Like, they won't let them take a piss or like shit so, pension or what? No. So, um, so, of course, this is on the BBC. So, the chief executive of Scottish beer giant Brewdog has been accused of inappropriate behaviour and abuse of power in the workplace by former staff. More than 15 ex-Brewdog workers have spoken out about CEO James Watt. So, it's just interesting that, especially in the US, apparently, um, James Watt was very inappropriate with the female staff in the US. Wow. I mean, it was there. Um, and, I don't know, it's, I mean, there's a lot more, but, it's not yeah. only, it's not only that. But I look at Brudon and I'm like, they've gone right downhill. I think. I don't know, but I don't know if you've noticed. I love their punk IPA, and I would say, when I'm looking for a beer that I know I'm just going to instantly like, I'll get three bottles of that. Uh, but then there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of sessions out there I love. Uh, so I could move away away from them. It's just sort of, I don't know. I I suppose maybe I need to read up on it a little bit more. It's it's one of these things where you have to it's it's a real strength uh strength test of your character that something that you actually really love that you're willing to actually, you know, pick beneath the scab and look at like how bad it actually could be, you know? That's why when I'm drawing the parallel of like Jacko fans, like you have sometimes you've got to step outside of the cult of whatever it is that you love and just go, Shit, I might not like this. All right, let's read the truth. <laughs> Well, it's like it's like um, obviously um, there's so many companies that are just it's just um, taking advantage of of countries like Coca-Cola, you know, the use of their water and what was it India? Mm. It's, it's these companies, unethical companies. People still buy from them, and you know, with Amazon and the way that they treat their workers, it's it's just one of those where you're like, how? Where do you do you just not shop at any of these big businesses? Period. Um, I suppose it's there's a similar element to that with Brewdog. Um, the only reason that I'm not a big fan of Brewdog at the minute is because I just think the quality of their beers has gone down. Really? Uh, yeah. Just, just purely um, subjective, really. Yeah. 
Well, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to look out for that. I, I hadn't really noticed, uh, to be honest. But then, like, here's the thing: I'm, I love beer, and I get quite passionate about the beers that I like. But I'd stop yeah. short of saying I'm a beer connoisseur. You know, like I wouldn't know if something tastes more hoppy than something else, or oh, it's a, it's a wheaty aftertaste of that one. You know, <laughs> I can never get that deep into it. I'm just like, does it taste good? Yeah, cool. What makes me laugh is obviously beer has kind of gone into the realm of wine now, where it's like tasting notes, pineapple, mango, juicy, hops, mosaic, Amarillo. Yeah. And cool. That's, that's all well and good. But it's, I guess it's only relevant in the, in the, in the context of you drinking it in, if you're, if you're on a night out, you're not going to care about any of that really. No. Realistically. But then um, when, when are we on nights out, Jules, right? This, this is, is it. This is my this night is out is sitting in the cabin talking to you. Drinking, drinking overpriced fruity beers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, right, I need yeah. to, I've got to get going. I've got to go inside. I've got babies in the house, Jules. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. Uh, if you guys want to catch up with Jules, um, please do give him a follow on TikTok. Um, and, so, yeah. deadhead underscore Jules. Bedhead underscore Jules on TikTok, and then on Twitter, you're Bedhead, but the E is a three. Is that right? Three, because apparently Bedhead is one is a really common word on, on Twitter. So. Well, there we go. Um, yeah. uh, okay, cool. So, yeah, give him a follow on TikTok and, and Twitter. Um, I'll be back next week with a solo show on Wednesday and a uh, show featuring, featuring uh, a guest uh, next Friday night. We'll be talking science. Uh, and, uh, yeah, until next time. Take care and bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye.